Americans are hurting. Inflation was already at a 40-year high when gas prices reached record highs. In some parts of the country, people are paying $7 for a gallon of gas. All this with at least a century of crude oil sitting beneath our feet. Today we're talking to an expert who explained how a deliberate and crazy plan to eliminate oil and gas is responsible for this madness. I'm Paul Dragu, and this is Freedom is the Cure. Tom DeWeese is the author of Now Tell Me I Was Wrong and Sustainable. He's among the foremost experts on Agenda 2030. He's been a guest on numerous shows and quoted in several publications, including the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, and Fox News. Tom has spent the last three decades warning people about a diabolical plan to enslave the world by using the fake environmental crisis narrative to scare us into giving up our basic liberties. Tom, thank you for joining us, sir. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Before we go into uh, the energy aspect of Agenda 2030, can you quickly summarize Agenda 2030 uh, in case we have some folks who maybe aren't as familiar with it as you and I? Well, this was a plan that was put together, introduced by the United Nations at their Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro back in 1992. Uh, There were 50,000 delegates at this summit. There were 179 heads of state, including George H.W. Bush and they introduced several uh, plans at that time, but Agenda 21 was the overall plan. They said, in their own words, that Agenda 21 was a comprehensive blueprint for the reorganization of human society. It was going to uh, deal with uh, independent nations. It was going to deal with uh, population. Uh, Particularly the environment was the focus of the whole thing. This is where the whole climate change issue began to work its way into every single issue that we deal with. As we know, there's an energy crisis in America. And as most of us know, it's probably unnecessary. How does the current energy crisis, including the gas prices we're paying, play into this? How is this part of Agenda 2030? Well... To understand the mentality of the people behind all of this, uh, they really want to get people out of their uh, own personal transportation. Uh, they they want to rebuild the cities so that the um, we're all living together in high rises downtown. We're not uh, we're, we're able to walk to work. We're able to uh, ride a bike. You hear these things in your city council meetings every day in the new development plans, and basically to get us out of our cars. And how do you get people out of their cars? Well, you make gasoline so high that you can't afford to drive the car. And uh, I've always said that a $8 a gallon is the sustainablest dream uh, for uh, for gasoline, because that means we would stop driving our cars. This is uh, one of the things that they've been, been driving for anyway. And you see the great drive now for uh, electric cars. They're going to be an electric car. We won't have fuel burning cars. We won't have uh, gas uh, furnaces. We won't have uh, anything, any uh, fuel like that uh, available to us. Everything would be electric. And uh, so that's how do you get there? How do you make that happen? How do you get people to buy electric cars? Well, again, you make it so you can't afford to drive your uh, gas uh, fueled car. How does something like this end up with more control for, you know, for those who are behind the scenes or even up front making this happen? 
Well, they, they use scare tactics. And the scare tactic is that uh, if we don't get control of protecting the environment, uh, get a hold of uh, CO2 in, uh, in which they, you know, the emissions coming out of the gas-fueled cars and so forth, that that is causing climate change. And that is, uh, I've had environmentalists say to me over and over again, uh, very arrogantly, it doesn't matter how many rights you think you have if you don't have a planet to stand on. And this becomes the, the mantra of, uh, of driving all of this fear, fear, fear. And so people begin to comply voluntarily and to give up their liberties voluntarily because we've got to protect the environment. Well, you have to go then to the source, the question, is there a man-made uh, climate change that's taking place? They keep saying 90% of scientists are in consensus with this. Uh, actually, it's very hard to find 90 scientists that are in consensus with this. It is a political propaganda that does not have any scientific basis behind it whatsoever. And uh, they, you know, every 10 years, they, they tell us, if we don't get control of the environment, protecting the environment within the next 10 years, then all society is going to collapse and, and the environment is going to never be able to recover. And then the 10 years go by and absolutely nothing happens. And then they have another, oh, we have to, we have to, we have to. And they're right now into about the third 10-year plan that never, ever happened. There are no islands being uh, drowned. There are, uh, you know, there are slight, slight, slight ocean uh, levels rising. And that is a very natural phenomenon. And uh, nothing that can go back to man-made CO2 emissions uh, causing this. From what I understand is the way they'll, they'll, they'll manipulate the masses is they'll show them this graph, right? And it'll show like, you know, sea level rising or natural disasters. And, and from what I've understood and the little research that I've done, the way they show these graphs is such a small segment of, you know, of a piece of time. And that when you take the bigger picture, what we learn is that these are trends that have been happening for hundreds, you know, thousands of years. Does that sound familiar? Is that is there some truth to that? The, the trends have been there. Uh, I work with some very uh, wonderful scientists who have studied this for decades. And uh, my, a good friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Willie Soon, uh, he did an article about uh, the climate change uh, back in the very beginning of it. And, and the title of the article was, It's the Sun, Stupid. <laughs> uh, there just is no evidence whatsoever. The, it, it's really almost comical in D.C., Washington, D.C., uh, that Al Gore, who is one of the big perpetrators of the scare tactics, every time he attempts to have some kind of a major conference in Washington, D.C. on uh, climate change, about how the earth is warming up, we usually end up having a blizzard or something in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and, and some of the people there jokingly now call it the Gore effect. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just totally bogus. And they're, they're, uh, nothing we have seen has shown any of that that is true. You know, it, it, just take a look at this. The, um, the visuals that we have every year for Christmas, the Christmas cards, the sleigh bells ringing, the, the mm. riding the sleigh in the drifting snow and so forth. Well, all of that kind of came back from the eight, around the 1880s, somewhere around there, where that, that kind of visual was created. And they were having a global cooling period at that time. That's why. That's why there, there were some heavier winters and so forth. We have cooling periods. We have, we have warming periods. Mostly it's caused 
by uh, on the, uh, the the surface of the sun that uh, when the surface of the sun is very uh, calm, we kind of go through a cooling period. When there are big flares, solar flares, storms that come from there, we get a warming period. It's completely natural. We have absolutely no control over that whatsoever. Uh, it comes, it goes. And uh, back in the 19, uh, late 1970s, everything was, uh, the earth is cooling. That, that's a cri crisis. We've got to take mm -hmm. care of it. Then all of a sudden, you know, it became warming. This is the reason why they went from calling it global warming to climate change, because climate change fits everything they need it to be up, down, all around. That's the, uh, you know, that's much more convenient for them to uh, spread their scare tactics. But nothing man is doing is causing this. Let me ask you about this current administration who is obviously pushing hard this this green agenda so hard in the face of resistance and pushback, obviously, from the public. You know, the administration says that they are not preventing oil drilling or anything. What are your thoughts on that? And have you seen such an aggressive push for this green agenda as we see with this administration? Oh, question. I mean, uh, Biden's, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, Biden's first day in office, the, the first thing he did was shut off the uh, the building of, uh, of new pipelines and putting big restrictions on the drilling of new uh, oil fields and so forth. Now, one of the things that the uh, administration has said is that uh, there are all kinds of, of land uh, permits there for them to go ahead and drill, and the oil companies aren't doing that. Well, first of all, they have to do some very expensive research to find out if there's any oil there. But the places where they already have oil on public lands mm -hmm. and uh, that the government controls has been shut down and, and very severely uh, curtailed. Uh, some of it's, you know, obviously some of it is working, some of it's doing, but their entire mantra, everything they're pushing for are... Uh, what they call alternative energy, wind power and solar power. That is their goal to have everything that. There is this whole thing of uh, uh, zero um, emissions and, and so forth. They've shut down coal mines. They have uh, shut down other, they're, they're working on shutting down nuclear power plants and everything to be nothing but uh, wind and solar. And the truth of the matter is, you go anywhere in this country, no matter where you have wind, if you have wind and solar there, you will find it probably only provides about 4% of the energy that's needed. Uh, when the wind isn't blowing, then the, the, the wind towers aren't turning. And in the wintertime, when the, the, wind, the solar panels are covered with snow, they're not generating any kind of energy. You can't run an, an industrialized nation on such a creepy little, maybe it will work today, maybe it won't. Not to mention that the, to make the solar pa uh, panels, you've got to have uh, fossil fuels. To make the uh, wind turbines turn, you've got to have oil. Uh, back in the in the early days when these fights started, and, and those of us who were trying to bring out the truth on all this, the uh, the uh, environmentalists would call us uh, the uh, astroturf crowd that wanted to pave the earth. The truth of the matter is, when you put hundreds and thousands of acres together of wind turbines and solar panels, first of all, there has to be an infrastructure there. They have to put wires, and it's cement. Who's paving the earth? You know, they are. Uh, 
if you've got thousands and thousands of acres of, so, of, of solar farms, there is underneath those panels, there is no grass growing, nothing else growing, and uh, no animals running against uh, under there. With the wind turbines or forests of these things, what you're gonna find is they build all these, the thousands and thousands that they wanna put up, nothing will be flying in the air. Birds, endangered species, so forth, will uh, will will stop, will be stop flying. So this is a result of it. Every single thing they wanna do under the name of protecting the environment is really damaging the environment. Well, a week ago you had sent me an article about this I guess it's a carbon capture pipeline. And I was reminded about it because of what you're saying. What it's describing there, what it takes to build that thing, is um, I guess it's ironic because it's gonna they're gonna have to run through these farmers' lands and whatnot. Can you go into the insanity of this? Because I don't think people, know, a lot of people know about this. I didn't know about it until you sent it to me, and. Uh, and there's an accompanying Bloomberg article that talks about exactly what you just said. In order for us to go green, it's going to require so much land. So talk about this crazy carbon capture pipeline, because I bet you there's a lot of people listening and watching who like, who've never heard about it. Well, Paul, as you know, I've been working on this issue for a very long time. And when I learned about this, I realized that this was the dumbest idea <laughs> that they have ever come up with, even though it's one of the most dangerous. What they're and talking that's about- a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, they're very creative people. <laughs> what this is about is, uh, this is a like a 300, uh, 1300 mile pipeline that will cut across thousands and thousands of acres of land in the Midwest Corn Belt. And it's not just, you know, when, when they build a, uh, a, an oil pipeline, they usually try to get a right of way to go on the edge of the property, maybe it goes along down the road, you know, things like that. This is designed to go right straight through these uh, farmlands uh, where we're, the, the, some of the most precious farmland we have in this country that is growing uh, our corn crops, particularly Iowa is one of the main uh, states uh, involved here, Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, these are all targeted there where they're gonna build this pipeline through there. And the purpose of it is to capture, they're gonna, at one end of it, they'll capture CO2 emissions and they run it through the pipeline down into the ground. So we're gonna bury CO2 into the ground. That's the solution here to global warming. Now you, you combine that with Bill Gates' plan to put up some kind of a, a, a layer in the air where we block out the sun. Now we talk, they keep saying, follow the science and we just wanna protect nature. First of all, they're going to destroy natural growth the trees, plants need CO2. They are the things that filter it out. That's the pipeline that already exists. It's natural. God made it. And then we want to block out the sun. See, we have this is total insanity. But what they're doing, there, there are uh, a company, a couple of companies that are uh, promoting this, pushing it. Uh, there is one called Summit Carbon Solutions. And the other one is Navigator CO2 Ventures. Summit is already sending letters out to farmers across Iowa and other states, telling them that this is going to be done. It's going to come across their land. And they're asking the farmers to voluntarily join this. Um, but if they don't, 
Well, golly gee, we may have to use eminent domain to take your land. So that's voluntarily with a bullet, you know, to your brain, mm-hmm. you know, the threat of that. That's the way they are. Well, now we have some, uh, as people have gotten really upset about this, I mean, we're talking about shutting down the production of these farms. And they've told the farmers, well, the first year this is in place, we'll pay you 80% of what your crop would have paid you. On the the second year, we'll pay you 60%. Third year, we'll pay you 40%. And after that, they haven't mentioned what they're going to do. They're going to destroy America's farmland. They come in, you know, it's not just digging a line and put a pipeline in and then you plant over the top of it they're going to tear up the topsoil for some reason mm-hmm. and and destroy that so we're talking about destroying america's farmland and our ability to feed ourselves and when it, when you've got the combination of destroying our farmland so we can't produce crops and uh destroying our energy system so we can't produce energy you're going to starve to death freeze to death and destroy our economy all in the name of protecting the environment was this put somewhere there in this recent infrastructure bill they, they passed? There is money coming from that uh, to, to do that and, uh, and also to build the cell towers and so forth, uh, are, uh, in wind turbines and stuff. Uh, that was all in there and uh, the money coming. And now you have uh, some of the farmers and so forth that have been very angry and, and kind of storming city council meetings and so forth. And the, uh, there was one particular politician who said, well, I just don't see any way that we can stop this. Well, the truth of the matter is, yes, you can. And any politician who says that doesn't understand his own job. First of all, private companies can't create eminent domain. Government does. So if eminent domain is used in this, that will be in partnership with government, not not the companies doing that themselves. Uh, Now you take this part and the part of the, the, the combine that with the fact that Bill Gates has now bought up massive uh, amounts of farmland across the country. And he is one of the biggest promoters of the synthetic beef movement. And they are they are looking at several different ways that how we grow our food will be done basically inside in kind of factories. And, uh, you know, it's it's just nuts. They, they're talking about having, you know, and I've already seen this in, in places like Paris and, and other places where they have balconies on the high rise apartments that have uh, hydroponic pots there growing things. This is how we're going to feed ourselves in the new Green New Deal and, and uh, this, this new world. We haven't had any problems feeding ourselves for, for these last hundred years, I would say. So uh, the fact that they have to come up with this. Now, you had mentioned Bill Gates. He's one of the proponents. And we use the word, uh, we use the term, you know, they a lot and whatnot. Can you go into perhaps some of the people and the companies or, or governments, how, how this kind of works? Because then I want to ask you, is like, there's got to be some true believers in this, because the way we talk about it is it's just part of this plan. And but first, who, in addition to Bill Gates, what are some of the institutions, the entities really, really pushing this? Well, the main one on a global basis is the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, the uh, inventor of the Great Reset. And uh, this is what the Great Reset is, putting all this completely changing. You know, when, when they introduced Agenda 21, I think, as I mentioned, uh, they called it the Comprehensive Blueprint to Reorganize Human Society. This is what they mean. 
take control of every aspect of our society, our econ economics, our, uh, uh, our you know, whole free market system, change it over to a controlled system, change our food, the uh, way we eat, change how we live. Uh, Maurice Strong, who was the, uh, uh, the head of the uh, Earth Summit in 1992, said that uh, industrialized nations are going to have to be uh, pushed back, that uh, our living, the way we live with our transportation, with our air-conditioned homes, with our uh, the way we uh, produce our food and so forth, are none of those is sustainable, and all of that's going to have to be changed. And so, you know, this is this is the plan behind it. There are true believers. I mean, the, the forces that are putting this in place: the Sierra Club, the Nature Conservancy, the Audubon Society, uh, the International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives (ICLI). Uh, these are the forces pushing this. But I have contended for years that it is not about environmental protection. That is the excuse to get us to voluntarily give up our liberties out of fear. And uh, instead of sending an army in and you know, kill people and break things. And uh, so that's, it's diabolical and how they're doing that. They all know full well that this isn't about the environment. And in fact, they, it, it is, they've said openly, and this, this is the, the thing, over all the years, I've done nothing but quote them. And, and what the things that they say, they're very open about what they're saying, but nobody is listening. And uh, they, they just hear the, the threat of the environmental protection, and that's all everybody is, is hearing. But uh, the, I was going to say the, the Great Reset, you know, what do they mean, reset? Well, reset our entire society, uh, obviously, but we were starting to win the battle uh, several years ago. Um, on climate change to get people to understand that this was the biggest hoax ever brought on human society. And, and I, I say that because when they would do polls and they would ask people, what are the most important issues to you? Uh, if climate change was mentioned, it was always dead last. And they began to feel that. This, here was their major force that was going to be able to put all of their global control in place. And they were, they were losing that battle. What did they do to, to turn that around? The Great Reset. And Klaus Schwab's book, which is titled uh, COVID-19 and the Great Reset. Why did he so say COVID-19? Because they, the, according to that book, the, uh, the COVID-19 was a practice run. And we're going to see uh, from the lockdowns and so forth, how we can properly run our communities. And he said that we... Um, uh, are, are, if we don't get control of the environment and protect it, we're going to have a pandemic every year. There's the threat. There it is. The Great Reset, putting climate change right back in control. Yeah, I don't know if I was uh, reading something this afternoon, and I, <clears throat> I've noticed that the talk of resurgence, COVID resurgence, is already swirling. We got it, I think, in China, and now it's in uh, another Omicron strain in Europe. So they're already stirring that back up again unfortunately uh you kind of started going into it a little bit but what does the world look like if these maniacs have their way are we in full isolation shoved in 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 cracker boxes or what does the world look like well first of all if they get everything they want there'll be no independent sovereign nations uh it, it'll be a global control uh, and the rules come down from on high. They're already doing that. 
And uh, we, we have the, uh, the drive for regionalism now where city councils and county commissions are losing uh, the power that you gave those elected officials in order to run your community the way you want it run. And they get these unelected appointed regional councils and they're now starting to spread instead of, we've already had where there's 16, 17 counties <clears throat> that would be in one of these. Now we're starting to get uh, other states combined. We just had a victory, by the way, uh, in, in Tennessee. Uh, they had an, uh, a bill there. There's a thing called um, uh, Region Smart. That's the new drive on all this. And this Region Smart bill, which was introduced in Tennessee, also introduced in Arkansas and Mississippi to combine them all in one uh, regional uh, situation. And uh, we were able, the American Policy Center, to do an article on this. And uh, a bunch of activists in Tennessee picked up on it and deluged their county commissioners, uh, or I mean, excuse me, their state legislators with this, and they pulled the bill. And so temporarily, anyway, we stopped it covering those three states. And, uh, but it's popping up all over the country. And so, the, you know, what we're gonna see is, is what the world's gonna be like. There'll be no free market, There'll be no private property. There'll be no uh, sovereign independent nations and your decisions, uh, being able to make decisions about your life won't exist. You won't have a car to drive. <clears throat> be, uh, our housing will all be government housing because they're killing private property by, uh, you know, by the acre. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, government will control what you eat, how you eat, uh, what the jobs will be, what the market will be. That's, that's the way it's going to look. That's all to protect the environment, you understand. Now, in your travels and, you know, how much ever you're t in touch with what's going on out there, and I, I would think it's quite a bit, what is the climate of the public's perception? You know, I think now everyone's, it looks like they're ticked off about gas prices. Uh, Joe Biden's polls are sliding, which lets, which tells me that they didn't know he was, going to be insane. Uh, we, of course, did. Um, are people waking up to this? Are they connecting the dots? Or is it still one of those things that like, oh, you know, it's one of those phases and uh, we'll get back to production and everything will be hunky-dory. What is? What are you seeing? Uh, what I'm seeing is a great awakening. The, uh, you know, I spent a lot of years trying to warn people about all this and you know, I, I've gotten a lot of attacks and you know, Southern Poverty Law Center's done four reports yeah. on me. It's a hate monger and conspiracy theorists and all that. Uh, I actually had a conversation with a, uh, a ally of mine in D.C., uh, in, the, you know, in Washington, D.C. Uh, con mainstream conservative organizations have refused to say the words Agenda 21. And when I took up that battle, they started to uh, just take me off stages and, and deny me uh, and a voice and so forth. And he said to me the other day, everybody's saying, and I talked to saying, Tom was right. <laughs> so, but um, what, I, uh, what I'm seeing, I'm, I've never been more energized because what I found as we fought this over the years, people ignored us until they felt they, they became victimized by the, by the uh, po policies, the process. And once they did, and then they began to listen, and they became some of our fiercest fighters. Today, almost everybody in the country is now victimized by this. And the wind is blowing that um, this coming uh, November election 
if we can secure the ballot box, we will wipe these guys out in one day. And they know that. And that in spite of all the issues we're dealing with, protection of the ballot box is absolutely essential. Number one, if we want to start to change this and fix it, and then we can go through and start to push back these other plans. But that has got to be done. And they know it and they're doing everything they can to continue to keep power. Uh, you know, but they, they're, they're terrified of what we're about to do. Do you, do you think that the intensity of, of, of this anti-energy policy agenda that we're seeing, is that a reflection of them anticipating, like you said, just being wiped out in November and Joe Biden being a lame duck president for the rest of the for the rest of his tenure? Is that what's happening? Are they trying to get through as much as possible before they lose power? Yeah, I think there, there's a kind of a twofold answer to that. Uh, in a sense, uh, a lot of them feel very powerful and, and like, look what we've accomplished so far. And they're arrogant. And their arrogance has moved them much quicker than they normally would have gone. They used to try to keep this all under the radar so people didn't really recognize it. But the other half is what you just said. They absolutely are feeling that pressure that if uh, they, they could very well lose complete power. And, uh, and so they're going to put as much as they can in place uh, before that happens. So it's, I think it's both things. We we had mentioned you had mentioned earlier that some of these people are are true believers. I I know a question like this is probably speculation and whatnot. But what do you think of I mean of the people in 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 our in our federal government who help push these things who act terrified? I'd imagine some of them are true believers. Do you have any way of knowing? For instance, I don't know is Biden a true believer or is Handler's do, doing all that? Like how many of these people in in the federal government are actually true believers of this, and how many are just you know uh, maniacs who who do want who love the power? We saw with COVID nineteen, clearly they they love the power. Some of them, but I'd imagine some of them are true believers, and maybe they've been propagandized for all these last decades, right? Yeah, I think the the leadership, uh, Pelosi, Schumer, all these guys, uh, Biden. I don't know what Biden believes anymore. I'm not sure he has a belief anymore. We're not sure he's there. The <laughs> but um, uh, absolutely, they understand what this is really about. Because, and, and one way you can tell is when we come out after them fighting something and how they quickly shift gears and uh, try to get around us. Now, a true believer would just be arguing the environmental issue. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the true believers are the troops on the ground, the you know, it's, it's not even the leadership of the Sierra Club or the, or the, the green uh, major conservancy and stuff. It's it's their soldiers out there, and uh, they uh, they truly are afraid of what's happening to the environment and that sort of thing. That's a very very small minority, and and I and I, this is the other thing I think people need to understand uh, from our side. Uh, those of us who want free markets, who want personal freedom, who want limited government and so forth, uh, an awful lot of our people are, are believe that this is a massive power that we're facing and there's no way to beat it. And 
the reason that it seems that way is because, of course, the massive news media that, that uh, is their mouthpieces. But the truth of the matter is they're actually a real minority. They're vulnerable and they're terrified of us. They know what we're capable of if, if, if we can just get our act together and start moving forward, which is what we're working to do. And uh, the, the more of these things they're putting in place, the more that people are feeling the damage, the more determined people are going to be to fight back. And this is what we have to understand. And, and, and just to kind of prove that, take a look, for example, uh, last year when Coca-Cola came out that their board of directors said that we uh, uh, needed them, everybody needed to be less white on this. Coca-Cola took a massive hit in the market when they did that. People quit buying their products. Uh, there have been other uh, companies that have come out with this wokeness and so forth. And when it gets out there, they suffer for it and, and, and lose, have to close stores and things like that. That means we have a massive power and they know that. So uh, we need to recognize it and understand we are a majority. And the other wonderful thing that I see taking place uh, is that the, um, a lot of the uh, Hispanic immigrants and people in the black community are beginning to understand, see the problems and they're coming to us. We have got to, as we organize, we've got to reach out to them and we've got to start showing them very clearly what freedom looks like. Some of these immigrants are coming, even though they're crossing the border illegally and so forth, they're coming from totalitarian countries and they don't want to come here for that. Mm -hmm. And if we can begin to show them that's exactly what's going to happen if these policies are placed, we can completely reverse that. Now there's a way to get the wall built <laughs> real yeah. fast. <laughs> well, I like how you say they're they're terrified. Um, that's, I think that's the truth. And I think what you're saying, we've we've said it several times on on this show that we do believe we're the majority. Uh, most people do value freedom. Most people did wake up and they saw it's like, oh, these people are crazy. They really do want to lock us in our houses and restrict our movement. And that's what the that's the world they want, and I believe you. I believe you that that these they're terrified of what's going to happen. Uh, let's finish up with how do we recognize uh, Agenda 2030 playing out in our communities? Last time we talked, we you had mentioned that it's it's nearly in every community, and if it's not, it's on its way there. What are some of the buzzwords? What are some of the agenda names that people can recognize so they can then resist? The number one buzzword is sustainable. Sustainable means somebody's trying to build power. It has nothing to do with protecting the environment. And uh, they're gonna use sustainable, the Great Reset is working on that to make sure every company is gonna be graded on, on their sustainable footprint. And if they're, if, if they're not a sustainable product, they won't be invested in. Uh, another thing to watch for, uh, there is now a, uh, a movement to take your credit cards and offer them a credit limit uh, on it. And, and I, I just completely regulate your, your carbon footprint this way by what you buy that as soon as your spending hits a certain carbon max because of what you bought, then your credit will be cut off. And they're moving that way. The, the move towards a, um, uh, our currency just being uh, online, you're not holding anything. Uh, no, no, uh, no money. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's a major move on it. 
uh, to put this together. All those things are control devices. Uh, another one is you're, is you're looking at your city council and what they're putting in place. They have a development plan. Uh, smart growth is the main issue that they, they uh, put together now. Smart growth is this total control of uh, taking away private property um, zoning protections for, for uh, single family home neighborhoods. That's a major movement that's taking place right now. And they're talking about they take away the single family homes in those neighborhoods and they're gonna build these uh, government project high rises there. And um, uh, the, the, the argument they use is that we can put 400 families in there where there's only four people living now, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's all equ equity is the other word uh, in, in all this. And uh, any, any controls on energy use, any controls on your transportation, uh, the use of eminent domain to take property, uh, controls on business, private businesses, they, uh, you know, right now, I mean, as they're building all these high rises and, and they start out having landlords, the attacks on landlords is growing and as grant landlords start going out of business because they've raised taxes on them. They've raised the cost of building all the, all the regulations that go with it. What happens? Government takes over the, uh, the building. Eventually all housing will be government housing as they put all this together. It's step by step by step, just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and they, they take it and, uh, and put their process in place. What are some of the tools? Say there's a community, you know, they recognize that, that this Agenda 2030 is encroaching on their community. How do they begin to, to resist, whether they're a city council member or maybe it's just a community member and maybe he wants to get words as a city council member. What, how, how do we begin pushing back? One of the biggest problems we have is that as people who believe in limited government, we don't like government. And so the idea of participating on the local, particularly on the local level, uh, is, is just, it gives us a headache. And about if you if you really look at, at a lot of the activists around the country, what they really want to do is get excited about running somebody for president. Then we get elected, we elect our president, and we say, oh, now I can go home. I don't have to do this anymore. Oh, good. He's going to take care of it. What happens is the other side has entrenched itself in every single nook, cranny, corner of your of your local government. Doesn't matter how small the, the operation or the, the, the department is, whatever it is. Uh, they, um, uh, it has some kind of influence or it wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. We don't pay any attention to that. Uh, when was the last time we cared about who was on the uh, local board of elections? When was the last time we cared about who the county attorney was? And so we don't pay attention to these things. And we're not at those meetings. I am told constantly by uh, elected officials, your people are never there. They are surrounded by these non-governmental organizations, these NGOs that are the ground troops putting these policies in place uh, from the global level. And they are there, they surround them, and that's all they hear from is them. And one of our people then shows up and they say, oh, I've never heard that before. That's just crazy. We have got to put together a permanent infrastructure of organization in every community. Don't worry about the next neighborhood or the next town over. Worry about yours. Focus on your own local businesses. What kind of rules and regulations are hurting local businesses and work to get rid of them. Worry about your private property and, and look into that. Worry about your own individual rights to be able to live your life as you choose. Begin with research. Find out who your enemy is. 
look at research. And one of the things, get four or five people who volunteer to go to every single public meeting and watch what happens. We call them the watchers. That information between the researchers and the watchers will tell you who, what, where, when, why. And then you get your agitators with, armed with that information and you begin to attack. Because what happens now, they come up with a new, some new crazy outrageous plan and we're not ready for it. And all, and all of a sudden somebody realizes this is bad and uh, they start saying, who's behind this? Who's this? What's it? By the time you ask all those questions, they've already got it in place. If you've got that permanent infrastructure in place, then you can take it on immediately. Smash it right now. This is what I call building a freedom pod in your community. That's how it operates. So the freedom pod consists of the researchers, the watchers, and then kind of gather people up and attack. I take it there's a plan in there for preventive, right? If, if for instance, the researchers have already done their job, by the time these uh, these crazies come to town, you're like, nope, not having any of that, huh? Absolutely. I, I, I jokingly say, you know, what, what does victory look like? Victory is when our side has been there and has really pounded on these guys and stopped things happening or get them unelected after, uh, you know, they've, they've led these kind of things where they, that's where you really get their attention. You know, Charlie over there got, he lost his election. Uh Oh, I better toe the line here. But the, but how victory looks is once you've done that, you've established that uh, situation. The next time one of the NGOs comes in and says, Hey, got this new program for you. It's all right here in a box. And we got the money for you too. And the city councilman looks at him and says, are you nuts? Do you know what my people would do to me if we did this? <laughs> That's what victory looks like. That's what we need to get to. The good, the good uh, aspect of this, the great news about this is that we're always talking about how we're outgunned resource-wise. And it seems like they may be true. I don't know how true it is. But when it comes to grassroots activism, like you said, they're terrified because they know they are supremely outgunned and outnumbered. And it sounds like we actually do have the greatest resource, and that's grassroots uh, people that hopefully we can we – can, uh, harness into uh, activism. We can start pushing these folks out. It's totally possible. I love the way that you you present it. There's a lot of doom and gloom these days. Everyone's looking around and they're confused. They're angered. They're frustrated. You know, there's talk of seven, eight dollars already a gallon. You know, it's like the whole thing will fall apart if it comes to that. But there's not enough talk about the fact that. We can't. We have one. We can win, and we actually do have the resources too. Because there's more of us than them. There's more people who value freedom than who want subjugation. Tom, I'm gonna wrap it up, but I'm gonna give you the last words. Any finishing words? Uh, action, inspiration, whatever you want. Send them to AmericanPolicy.org. Uh, you know, let, I'm gonna give you the last words. Actually, I'll take the last words, but you go now. So one of the one of the the main things to watch for, do not get trapped into this thing of looking down at your feet and say, we can't beat them. We've lost the Republic. I have had people go to you know, tell me that they, they had a hundred people show up at city council meeting. And I say, well, what happened? Well, nothing. It didn't work. Then I ask them the question, what did you do the next day? Well, nothing. It didn't work. That's why you lose. They're sitting there looking at their watch saying, ah, they're gone. Now let's move forward. They know you're going to do that. Don't go home. This is what we have to do. And as, as John Adams said, you don't need a majority to uh, 
you know, to do this. You just need a dedicated minority set on setting brush fires of freedom. And that's what we have to do. If you go to our website at AmericanPolicy.org, we've created many, many tools to help people to organize. Our, our latest is our, our manual on uh, activist uh, handbook on how to organize locally. And uh, it's all right there. And uh, we're there to help any way we can. Tom, thank you so much for, for coming back on. Thank you for supplying this valuable information. Thank you. Well, folks, Agenda 2030 is real. We are witnessing its implementation, and it's up to those of us who value individual freedom to stop it. And it looks like there's plenty of us. If you'd like to learn more about Tom's work, visit his website, AmericanPolicy.org. Like you said, there's plenty of tools there, and you can get involved. Also, check out the JBS Agenda 2030 Action Project and consider applying for JBS membership so you can join thousands of other patriots in an organized, concerted effort to beat the globalists and restore freedom. And always remember that whatever ails society, freedom is the cure. <laughs>